Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. There are many types of Baptists, but being a Baptist once meant that you were a fundamentalist. Over the years, many Baptists have strayed from the fundamentals and thus attack those who remain true to the faith. This podcast will address the issues surrounding what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Somebody said, Brother House, fundamentalists are changing, aren't they? No, fundamentalists don't change. Folks quit being fundamentalists. God says when the troubles come, He said fight. You can't fight. He said withstand. You can't withstand. He said stand. What does it mean to stand? He said don't change. What? Don't change what? Number one, don't change what you believe. Here we will reason concerning the scriptures about the doctrines we hold dear. We believe in souls being saved, lives being changed, and Bible doctrines being strengthened by the Word of God. We believe in the local church, soul winning, missions, and everything taught in the King James Bible. I thank God tonight for this wonderful Bible. You know, I I thank God it's a perfect book, and I, I love the Bible. Doesn't need any addition, no correction, nothing taken from it. Thank God tonight for the Holy Bible. I like it just like it is. We are not ashamed of being fundamental Baptists, and we want to encourage others to remain true to the Bible, their Baptist heritage, and to not change what they have been given. You just stick with the book. You can't beat this book. Why does every generation feel that we've got to change it just a little bit because our daddy did it as I said, and our granddaddy did it like that, and let's change it just a little bit. You change it, and things that are different are not the same. The same commit thou to faithful men. Thank you for joining us in our discussion of what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Hello and welcome, David Baker. Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. Hey, we're glad that you're here. I've got a friend with me, a guest, Brother S.M. Davis. Brother Davis, how you doing? I'm doing better since I'm talking to you, preacher. It's Amen. good to be with you today. <laughs> glad you're here. Excited. Uh, Brother Davis has preached for us a few times, and uh, I knew who he was. I had a sister-in-law that grew up in his church and was at a wedding there years ago, and he started traveling and uh, wanted to have him come. Great messages on family and relationships, and his ministry is called Solving Family Problems, and and uh, really is a big deal for that. So, Brother Davis, I want to find out a little about your background and talk about a couple of issues. So, um, so tell us uh, quickly how you got saved and called to preach. What was, uh, where was that in your life? Well, I was uh, born in 1951, so I'm 72 right now. And uh, I was five years old when I got saved at Northside Baptist Church in Gaffney, South Carolina. Amen. Went forward in the church service, knelt at the altar, and trusted Christ. And he's kept me ever since. I, I haven't been ideal, but Amen. he's been ideal. Beautiful. <laughs> and uh, then called to preach. I really, uh, there was an incredible revival that broke out in our church in 1967, January 22nd, 1967. I was actually not, I was actually backsitting on the Lord at the time. I was not close to the Lord Hmm. and uh, I had my plans for my life and they really did not include God. And um, that night a uh, fellow came to our church. He stood up to preach and uh, he read his text from the book of Acts, got down behind the pulpit and prayed, stood up and said, God won't let me preach. Yes. And uh, they started giving an invitation. They sang, Jesus paid it all for an hour. And most Hmm. of my friends went down and got right with God about 30 minutes in. And I stood back (laughs) in the auditorium and said, no, God, no, we can't do this. We can't do this. And finally I broke, went and knelt at the altar and, um, I said, God, I, 
I, I need to get right with you. And it was like God said, I want your trumpet. The trumpet was a big deal in my life. I had, I was in 10th grade, had the top position in the band and was playing in the pep band and, and was just a real big deal. And it was like God said, I want your trumpet. And I said, God, you can have everything but my trumpet. And it was like God said, just go back to your seat. And and I remember that lay in my mind, laying my trumpet on the altar in front of me. Wow. And um, and I, I said, God, you've ruined my life. And then it was like, you remember how Moses' rod became the rod of God? That's yes. what happened with me. It was like God picked the horn up and said, now you use it for me. Wow. And every key decision that I made for the rest of my life was made for, for the next several years. I met my wife through my trumpet. I wound up in the church in Illinois through my trumpet. <laughs> I don't hardly ever play the trumpet anymore, but um, it, it was a big deal. So I, um, I, I got right with God. I say it was, we made up at, at school that week that, or, or the next day, we were at church till one thirty in the morning, and uh, I mean it was a real. This was a real revival. We met every night for nine weeks. Wow! And uh, like a hundred and over a hundred and fifty young people got saved. Wow! Uh, we we just met back at church the next night, and we didn't know what we were doing. Preacher came in, met with us, and. Um, we brought friends with us, and, and we knelt and prayed and testified, and some folks got saved, and we were there until midnight again, and we did it again on Tuesday night and on Wednesday night, and by the next Sunday, there still hadn't been any preaching. It, it's hard to describe to people in our day, but they, I mean, there had been lots of preaching before that, yeah. and by the next Sunday, the pastor said, you know, we need to call a revival meeting, and and, and so we started, but we still for, I mean, the preacher would stand up and talk and preach a little bit, but there was no formal message. We met every every night for nine weeks, and uh, so amazing. I was born in the heat of that, and I saw all my friends surrendering to preach, hmm. and I thought, I'm not sure whether they mean it or not, and I really fought God about it, and I didn't surrender until... Uh, missions conference in November of that year. I surrendered to preach. And my pastor, Ed Maccabee, he went home. He told this later. He told this publicly <laughs> when when I left the church to, to go to graduate school. I um, he, he told this. He said, I went home the night he sur you surrendered to preach. He said, I went home and told my wife, if God ever made a mistake, he made it to me. <laughs> Yeah, that keeps me humble to remember that, you wow. know. So, um, and so many uh, things are like when I surrendered to preach, I thought my life was over. I'm going to live a boring, miserable life. Why is God making me do this? You mm -hmm. know, and boy, what joy and blessing. I oh, mean, yes. Preaching yes. how many years now? Yes. Uh, well, let's see. I surrendered. I was 16 and uh, I'm 72 now, so calculate that out. 56 years. I can't hardly believe it. That's amazing. That's I, I am I'm amazed and, and so, blessed. And, and I really didn't think about being a pastor. Hmm. I just surrendered to be a preacher. I mean, right. I was raised in the South, and a preacher was a... Man, he was, if, if you was a preacher, you was a preaching machine, you yeah. know? Yeah. You really got with it, you know? And 
So I surrendered to be a preacher. I found out later I was supposed to be a pastor, and and I so did. You did that. music right away at sixteen. You were yes. I became our church lost its um, uh, music director, and my pastor came to me and asked me if if I would lead the singing, mm. and I knew music, uh, but I didn't know how to lead. And my mother taught me. How to beat four four time? How to beat three four time? How to beat two four time? And I stood in front of a mirror, and and just did it until I got it like I thought it should look. Yeah. And we had a choir of forty people. You saw a picture of that choir this morning, and yes. we started traveling to other churches singing. And we, wow. we God blessed. And I did that till I was twenty one in South Carolina. Then I went to Texas for uh, graduate school and two years as an associate pastor in ministry music. Then I went to uh, uh, Lincoln, Illinois, and I pastored Park Meadows Baptist Church, the only church I ever pastored wow. from uh, from 1975 till 2011, 36 and a half years. Beautiful. And I had a heart attack, stepped down as pastor, and started traveling and preaching. I'd been doing some traveling preaching right. before that. The Saul Family Problems Ministry was born in the early 90s, 1992. We had had problems with our oldest daughter, and we couldn't figure it out. And I really fell on my face and said, God, I don't get it. Yeah. And, and Lord, I'm not sure anybody gets it. I'd seen all these pastors who lost their families. Yeah. Many of them lost their marriages, lost their kids, lots of them. It was very common back then for people to have to send their kids away to places roll off homes full of pastors kids and deacons kids and i said god i don't get it and um so anyway the first message in our ministry was entitled changing heart of a rebel Mm -hmm. because um what we did i won't go into all the detail but i i i begged god to help me understand it and he he taught me the principles, and God turned our oldest daughter around, and and then he taught me those principles, Amen. and I started counseling other pastors, saying, if you will do this and this and this, you you don't have to send your rebellious teenagers away. You can, change, you can turn them around yourself. And so a preacher did that and called me up, and, and, and I preached the message, changing the heart of a rebel, and then that was the first message. And the key thought was that the most important ingredient in raising good children is to get their hearts early, be extremely vigilant, to not lose their hearts. Amen. Do anything you have to do to keep your children's hearts. Do anything you have to do. And if you've Amen. lost your child's heart, then do anything you have to do to get that child's heart back. Absolutely. Make it a big priority. And so that was That's the good. first message. And, and then the ministry grew from that. We have... Um, over 130 videos now that deal with almost any issue in relation to marriage, parenting, family, relationships, and uh, people, pastors use our videos, other people use our videos to deal with all kinds of family issues. We've had lots of um, couples who turned marriages around just watching our videos. I had a man tell me, he said, I took your videos. My wife and I were having problems. We went to a motel and we started watching your videos. <laughs> he said we stayed there for three or four days. We watched your videos. We turned our we watched the messages, uh, and listened to the messages and turned the marriage around. And 
and um, we've had lots of pastors use our videos to deal with all kinds of issues. So, so what is, by the way, that message, is that, uh, maybe it's redone, but I'm sure that's still available? Yes, yes, that message is still available. Yeah. Yes, it is. Probably the, the key message I would recommend of mine now for um, parents who are struggling with uh, young people is entitled Steps to Help Youth Not Give Up Hope on God or Life. Uh, I seldom ever give the, uh, the the message changing the heart of a rebel. Occasionally I give it, but not very often. I, right. This other message has uh, the ingredients. Yeah, it, it's uh, they they're both key messages, but I, I like this one better. I was supposed to speak for the uh, Denver Homeschool Convention uh, two years ago now, two and a half years ago, and they came. They called me up and they said, "We've got you scheduled to speak," but. We've got a problem with young people walking away from God, walking away from their parents, de- confused about whether a boy or girl. Yeah. People and 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 we've got young people in the homeschool movement taking their own lives. And uh, mm-hmm. in fact, they said we've just had a young person do this out of a what everybody thought was a good home. Wow. Can you develop a message? on steps to help youth not give up hope on God or life. And I did. Wow. And now I I give that message quite a bit. I really, really like that message. Now all these I can find at the website. The website is solvefamilyproblems.org okay. or solvefamilyproblems.com. Either one. And um, they, they can find it's all on there. That's good. Mm-hmm. So um, I was going to ask you specifically that. What's the best? If someone has children that are struggling, what would be the best place to start for their kids? Would be that message? Now, I've got a whole series. If you go to our website, there's yeah. a whole series of messages that somebody can get uh, similar to what you do. You mm-hmm. you you also have something like that, I think. And um, But there's a whole series of messages, and we tell people, now, that is a really really key one for people to right. listen to as a a starter because it talks about um uh how we, we've got so many young people pastor that are in public schools now and everything in public school is supported by evolution mm-hmm. and it is you know Darwin's origin of the species is really the Bible of the public schools. And until we correct that issue and realize the foundational truth of everything is Genesis 1-1. And if you lose that, if you lose the first three chapters of Genesis, you're going to lose the whole Bible. It's not going to take your kids long to do it. You have to know Genesis 1, 2, and 3 our literal history. Amen. And if you lose Amen. that, you can lose every other great truth. That's I mean, you can lose everything. You may not have anything left. Mm-hmm. Kids walking away from God because they 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 they're taught evolution. And what they miss is uh, the other title of Darwin's book, uh, not just the origin of the species, but. Um, with the natural selection of the preferred races. Yes, you know I mean? yes, <laughs> it's, yes. Uh, it's, it's amazing how racist that is. And it is extremely it. racist. Um, it, it is. And we will never get rid of racism no. as long as we do evolution, evolution because some people think that they evolved 
their their color right. evolved after other people's color. Yeah. How much garbage? Yeah, that is anyway. key and powerful. You're exactly right. Um, marriages, you help a lot with marriages. What's um, I know this is a broad question, but but what's the biggest marriage issue problem you see, and what is the solution to that? I'm sure you have a marriage series also, but um, what do you see with marriages when you can just almost say, "Yep, that's it. Here's what you need." You know, almost any problem in a marriage can be worked out. I don't care what it is. Yeah. And you've seen this. If someone doesn't give up. Mm-hmm. I've ha- I had somebody ask me the question, what is the biggest cause of divorce? And my answer to that is this. Somebody wants out. Yeah. That's it. It, is. it doesn't matter. I've seen marriages that were not nearly as bad. Right. As some other marriage, and yet they and 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 yet they wound up with divorce. Now I've seen marriages that it was horrible what these people were dealing with. I mean, it was it was an ultimate nightmare. It was like how can they? And those people don't give up, and they work it out. It's amazing. But you have to get a man who's willing to make. He, he he's got to be willing to have God as his priority. Human is re- his priority relationship is a relationship with God. Then his wife is next, and his kids are next. And there is a false teaching in our movement. It's mm-hmm. a big thing that says, and and it's destroyed so many homes and so many lives. That says um, it goes back. They they misinterpret. Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and they say, God made Adam, made him take care of the garden. Made Eve, made her to take care of Adam. Therefore, a man's primary uh, responsibility is to uh, uh, his work, ministry, job, and a woman's primary responsibility is her husband, her family. And as soon as you go that direction, Mm -hmm. as soon as you do that, that man's going to have problems with his family and with Absolutely. his kid. He's going to have problems with his marriage. He's going to have problems with his kid. I have a whole message on that entitled How Right Priorities Prevent or Solve Life's Biggest Problems, where I say the man has to make his wife his number one human relationship. Mm-hmm. And pastors who put their ministry before right. their wife, I mean, it's just a recipe for disaster. It's horrible that that you know how Satan loves to divide because the wife is part of your ministry and your children are part of your ministry. Mm-hmm. And when the wife relationship is right, it helps your ministry. When the children's relationship is right, it helps your ministry. Mm-hmm. Why is that even a division of which one's more important? They're all the will of God for me. And at five o'clock I do this, at six o'clock I do this, at seven o'clock I do this. But understanding there's a ministry and we've got to be able to have that because if you don't make that wife that number one human priority, how many guys are out of the ministry? Well, if you put, <laughs> yes, absolutely. And if you put the church ahead of the family, then yeah. every woman in the church is more important than your wife. That's, that is deadly and dangerous. You've and people, every child in the church is right. more important than your right. kids. And then what happens is all the other men in the church follow that example, and everybody loses their family. Mm. Everybody then loses their kids. Everybody has problems with their marriage. And in some cases, a wife will stick it out with a man, but it's not because I had a lady come up to me. I gave that message in Yakima, Washington several years ago, and a lady came up to me 
And she's an older lady. She's in her 80s. And she said, um, I was married to a preacher for over 50 years. And she said, we never had a happy marriage. She said, now, the husband I'm married to right now, we've been married for, I don't know, eight or 10 years, something like that. She said, we have a wonderful marriage. But she said, my husband put the ministry ahead of me. And he or I, neither one, were ever happy. She said, we have the principles right in this marriage, and my husband and I have a good marriage. Amen. Sad. It's Very sad. Last, uh, we talked about children. Uh, we talked about marriage. Uh, churches, you travel a lot. You were a pastor for 36 years. And uh, um, so what's the number one big thing you see in churches that they need help with? And then answer this together or separate, the direction of the churches, where you're at, where you're going. You've been around a long time. You've seen a lot. Uh, is it healthy? Is it strong? Is it growing? Is it weak? What are the weaknesses? What are the things you see out there in either our movement? This is called Fundamental Baptist Podcast. So in our independent Fundamental Baptist churches, what what are you seeing, uh, things good or bad? Well, you see different things wherever you go. You come into churches where things are are really healthy, your mm-hmm. church. I mean, uh, when I walk into a church, have you noticed this, Pastor? A lot of pastors have never even seen this. If there's a buzz mm-hmm. in the auditorium before church, oh, you're yeah. going to have a good service. Yeah. If there's a buzz in the auditorium after the service, mm-hmm. and and the the church I'm a member of in Arkansas, I was there last week, and people... People stood around and talked 45 minutes, and, and I preach longer than usual, you know. They're usually out by 6, and I was, and I preached till 6.20. Pastor told me I could, but sure. I preached till 6.20 or 6.25, something like that, and people were still there at 7.30. Yeah. And there's something about that fellowship Amen. that's in the church. I see some churches that are growing old. Uh, with the pastor, as the pastor grows older, and and I'm seeing a lot of that, and they don't understand what you have to do to fix that. There is a way to fix that problem, but it's not, sometimes it's almost too late to fix it. Um, I I see um, um, there's there's got to be excitement. You've got to have a planned service where you don't have all, I'm in churches where the music is dead. The um, the announcements are dead. The service doesn't click. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And and I've wanted to say to um, I've wanted to say to some pastor friends, I I could help you yeah. fix this. This church could grow if you yeah. change the way this works. Your, your service has got to click. You can't waste people's time. There, there's got to be something. And and then, of course, I see our movement. I see people, I see guys going into Calvinism. Yeah. Uh, I see all kinds of things that are happening that are scary now for our movement. Um, I see the contemporary music and um, the, um, um, you know, the, the, the whole contemporary idea of, how to do church? Right. It's, it's I, I see all of that uh, coming into our movement. I see more dangers in our movement than I've ever seen before. Ever seen I before? I saw different dangers years ago. Right. The anger, uh, the anger in our movement, almost destroyed the next generation, and mm-hmm. that's why you have a lot of younger guys going with the contemporary because Absolutely. they don't want that mean fighting fundamentalist. Right. right. They they don't want that, and so they don't realize. 
You can get rid of the anger. You can fill the place with kindness and tenderness and love and fellowship. Yep. And you don't have to go contemporary, but they don't get that. They think you got to change everything now. We've got to change Whatever. music. We've got to change standards. We've got to throw it all out. We got the truth. We keep the cru- truth. We just build an exciting That's church right. with good standards. And you love everybody. You don't have to shut anybody out. Um, people need to be able to walk in just like they are looking just like they are, however they are, and be totally welcomed. Yeah. Um, the acceptance is a, a huge thing, as you know. So, I love everything you said and agree with it. And honestly, that's why this podcast, to be able to push mm-hmm. back on those things. Everything that you said, from the capitalism to the music to contemporary. And, and Brother Howell's taught us when I was in Bible college, it changes the position. And when you start changing where you end up, where you stop, you're not even going to realize that. Mm-hmm. And boy, how many times have we seen that? One little thing, we'll change this, and you don't realize what that turns into later on. Mm-hmm. Now they're, they don't even have the right Bible. They're, they're doctrine is Calvinist. They're, they're, it's just, what happened? You know, and they started changing. Mm-hmm. And um, by the way, I know you're, you're solving family problems, but uh, I think that would be a great teaching to be able to put together from what you see from all your years in churches to be able to help them because you have to it has to grieve your heart when you leave a church and you see where they're going you know you wonder okay is there something i could do to help them but as mm-hmm. we know most people don't take advice well especially preachers and uh, <laughs> that, uh advice not asked for is seldom heeded and often resented so um uh boy i love you mentioned today talking about just that and the loving rebuke, you know, loving people when they care enough to correct you. And so many times mm-hmm. we don't, and preachers really need that. They need mm-hmm. to, to, to let someone older and wiser who's been around and say, hey, can I help you with something? And, and you try to do that, the wall goes up, and I, they'll never have you back, you know, mm-hmm. instead of saying thank you enough to care about what direction we're going. So mm-hmm. anything I didn't ask you, I want to make sure we know solvefamilyproblems.org and .com. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so videos, messages. Messages, MP3s, all those things there. Done a great job packaging yes. that. Mm-hmm. And um, I know last year we got your full set, and boy, it's just been a, such a blessing. We have your some of your courses in our college now that we mm-hmm. offer, and that's been a blessing. And um, had a really close, um, really close um, person to me that was going through a really rough time, and and uh, they listened. I think every message um, on that, and uh, it's amazing what it did to be able to help him. And you've really made Praise a difference God. in his life, and and so many people. So thank you for um, coming to our church. Thank you for the message that you preach. Thank you for this podcast. Love your so, church, um, brother. Um, wow, what a good spirit in your church. It'll be fun seeing what God's doing. Anything I didn't ask you, any advice or anything off the top of your head, you feel like, you know what, this sermon, this message, or this thought to be able to help the people listening today. And there are a lot of independent Baptists and pastors that are listening to this. Any, anything else I love advice? the message I'm going to be doing tonight. Good. It's one of my newest messages, how to recognize and redeem the opportunities of life. Mm. I talk about how that the greatest... Um, the greatest sadness in the life of the Son of God was because people did not recognize and redeem an opportunity. Good. Jesus wept yeah. over. Um, he, he said, you knew not the time of your visitation. And I'll talk about that word time and how it ties in with Ephesians 5, redeem the time yeah. because the days are evil. And I'm going to explain. A lot of people say that that's talking about uh, using your time wisely. And that is a principle you could draw from that passage. But the main meaning of that passage is that you've got to redeem, the, the Greek word is kairos, you've got to redeem the strategic opportunities that God gives you in life. 
life is not like this. Life is, you're coming through life, God gives you an opportunity. Why, were, why are we alive right now instead of 100 years ago or 500 years ago? Because God planned our life so that we would come to various key opportunities. You redeem that one, that kairos that God gives you. Your whole life's potential and productivity goes up. You continue on through life. God gives you another. Amen. And, and that's why we're alive right now. And what we've got to do, if we want our life's potential and productivity to be what it ought to be, we've got to recognize those key opportunities that come our way. I love the thought. You, you'll hear the whole message tonight. No, I look tonight. forward to it. And boy, I can't help think, even even through our bad times, Romans 8.28 was the verse 35 years ago I took as a life's verse because my past was such a mess and that God could take that bad and turn it around for good. Wow, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, then 30 years I've been at the jail, volunteer, chaplain, book, and literally thousands of people have gotten saved even because of the, the messed up thing. So, yeah, redeeming that time, re- realizing God's allowed you to go through this, even mm-hmm. if it's bad, to be able to help other people. That's so right. That's right. I gave the message in prison um, mm. three or four months ago. Wow. And I said to, I had a group of ladies there, and I said, ladies, I want you to know something. Those fences, those, that barbed wire cannot stop the hand of God from giving you the opportunities he wants to give you. Amen. It's not big enough. God's bigger than that. He, he, he can still do what he wants to do That's in your good. life. Thank you for taking the time to do this podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, I hope that you will. Uh, great resources, great things. I believe God honestly brought him, allowed the heart attack to, so we could go and help so many more people. Uh, Pastor, great church. I've been there. Um, but there are so many churches that need the truths that God's given this man. And so if I could plead to you, um, he's been here for a few years in a row, and I told him, boy, until, until the Lord calls you home, if you, uh, I, I want to have you every year. And uh, great messages that, that are fixing problems. And literally, that is it. That Saul family, let's fix those problems that we have. And uh, Brother David has some great truths and messages to do that. So thank you again. I appreciate thank you, brother. It. And, uh, God bless looking you. Looking forward to uh, right. tonight. So God Amen. bless you guys. Go to solvefamilyproblems.org and uh, get some things that will be helped. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at thefundamentalbaptistpodcast at gmail.com.